0: The Wager Pager podcast is presented by uWager.eu, where America bets. uWager.eu is the official online sportsbook of the Wager Pager podcast. Log on to uwager.eu slash Wager Pager. That's uwager.eu slash Wager Pager to receive a 50% welcome bonus up to $1,000 deposits.
1: This week on the Wager Pager podcast.
0: Since we last spoke, two more states have implemented legalized sports betting, bringing the total number to eight. We're happy to welcome Pennsylvania and Rhode Island to the sports betting revolution.
1: And big sports gambling news coming out of Washington, D.C. A draft of a federal sports betting bill has appeared in Congress. We'll tell you all about it.
0: Also, sports business writer Darren Ravel, formerly of ESPN, joins the Action Network to exclusively cover sports gambling, marking a big shift in the industry. We'll fill you in on why.
1: We are joined this week by one of our favorite recurring guests, Whale Capper. The Whale stops by to talk about handicapping the fourth quarter of the NFL regular season, and he fills us in on his NBA fatigue charts.
0: And once again, former Marist College defensive back Jimmy dice Rulin joins us to make our selections for NFL Week 14. Get pumped, get psyched.
1: It's the Wager Pager podcast.
0: What's up guys and welcome back to the wager pager podcast where we talk about everything in the world of sports gambling news conduct must-hear interviews and give out picks and analysis i'm your host chris rogers don't forget to follow me on twitter at the wager pager and i am here as always with my co-host and gorgeous girlfriend mercedes barba and we are back after an extended holiday hiatus Welcome back! Welcome back, welcome back. and believe it or not it's almost college football bowl season
1: What's up, guys? That's right. I'm your other host, Mercedes Barba. You can follow me on Twitter at MercedesBianca. And Chris, I know you're upset that college football is coming to an end, but really, what's better than a three-week bowl game betting bonanza?
0: It's the most wonderful time of the year.
1: All right, guys, let's get down to the news. So, on November 17, 2018, Pennsylvania became the seventh state to offer full scale Las Vegas style sports betting when Hollywood Casino at Penn National took their first official wager. And William Hill US has signed on to be the official operator of the betting lounge. According to the Philadelphia Inquirer, opening day was somewhat lackluster, but the demographics of the crowd are trending very young, which is encouraging. Four more casinos in the Keystone State plan on opening their doors as soon as possible. Those are Sugar House Casino in Philadelphia, Parks Casino in Bensalem, the Rivers Casino in Pittsburgh, and the Harrahs in Chester. Then, on November 26, 2018, New England betters rejoiced as Rhode Island became the eighth state to offer legalized sports betting when ceremonial first bets were placed at the Twin River Casino Sportsbook. Rhode Island joins Nevada, Delaware, New Jersey, Mississippi, West Virginia, New Mexico, and now Pennsylvania as states that offer legalized sports betting. The Ocean State's only other casino is the Tiverton Casino Hotel in Tiverton, Rhode Island, which plans on opening sometime later this month. Both the Tiverton and Twin Rivers Sportsbook will be operated by William Hill U.S. and IGT, International Game Technology. William Hill will be handling the risk management, and IGT will provide the technology for the sports wagering platforms. Rhode Island also took the crown for highest tax rate, as according to a new law, sports gambling profits will be split as follows. 51% to the state, 32% to the state's gaming operator, and 17% to the casinos. That constitutes a 51% tax on gaming, which totally trumps the highly criticized 36%
0: tax rate in Pennsylvania. Wow, that's crazy. 51%? Yeah. Whatever it takes, man. Legalize it. In other news, a draft of a federal sports betting bill has made its way to Congress in which the federal government would have to approve any state's law that legalizes sports betting. Senator Orrin Hatch of Utah introduced the bill. Man, this guy really has a hard-on for sports betting. (laughs) Essentially, the bill would require states to take any and all laws to the Department of Justice for approval. Some other highlights of the bill include amendments and clarifications to the Federal Wire Act, which would allow for the transfer of sports betting information across state lines, a mandate to use official league data by sports betting operators from the sports leagues through the year 2022, and the creation of some initial standards related to problem gambling to be used in advertising. We will, of course, keep you updated on the status of this bill.
1: If you're a sports fan that's on social media, then you're probably already familiar with Darren Ravel. He is a former ESPN and CNBC sports business writer that certainly more than dabbles in sports gambling news as well. Darren has over 2 million followers on Twitter, where he is constantly putting out tweets that cover anything and everything that has to do with the sports business world and much more. He most recently posted a video of him finding the now infamous 1990 NBA Hoops Mark Jackson Menendez brother card that was recently discovered in a Reddit thread. According to Darren Revell himself, this all checks out. In case you guys don't know, the murder happened on August 20th, 1989. Lyle and Eric Menendez were apprehended in March of 1990, and the photo was taken at a Knicks game from the 1989 season. So that means the Menendez brothers were casually taking in a game at Madison Square Garden after killing their parents. Ravel is taking his niche segment of sports news and going even more specialized as he just inked a major deal with The Action Network to become a senior executive producer with the startup Sports Gambling Outlet. According to the announcement from The Action Network, Ravel said, Over the past several years, my coverage of sports gambling has shifted from occasionally to nearly daily. This is a dynamic sector that will impact everything from data and media rights to sponsorship and fan engagement, and I felt the only way to cover this business was to go all in. Ravel's move to the Action Network marks what many have considered to be a major milestone in the legitimization of the sports gambling media space as a whole. Also, Ravel's presence at the Action Network should make for some funny content related to the ongoing tongue-in-cheek feud that he has with the guys from Pardon My Take on Barstool Sports. The Chernin Group, who launched the Action Network in early 2018, has major interest in Barstool Sports as well. So a Ravel appearance on PMT could be in the cards.
0: Very cool. I got the chance to actually meet Darren Ravel on the opening day of uh, Legalized Sports Betting down at Monmouth Park. We'll uh, post the picture on Twitter. You guys can check it out.
1: All right, guys, here's this week's interview with Whale Capper.
0: What's up, guys? We are stoked to welcome this week's guest back to the show. You may have heard him during NFL Week 1, or you probably know him better as the host of the acclaimed podcast Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. He's one of our favorite pro handicappers on Sports Gambling Twitter. Here's the one and only Whale Capper.
2: Hey, happy holidays, guys.
0: No doubt, man. Uh, it's been been a long time since we talked. Week one, we're now in what week 14? It's crazy. Yeah, man.
2: Home stretch, final quarter of the
0: season. All right, let's dive right in. No pun intended. Let me t- uh, ask you about any general takeaways that you have so far from the NFL season. What makes this season in particular unique in the handicapping?
2: Mm. well uh it didn't take long into the course of the season to kind of get a feel for how little defense has mattered in terms of forward projecting who is going to win and who is going to cover spreads and what totals <laughs> we're going to hit um when i first started doing uh, numerical modeling for uh, uh for handicapping purposes it was pretty standard weighting defense and offense 50 50 uh nowadays i'm you know, up-weighting offense 3-1 to one effectively. Um, and it's not wow. obvious to me that that's going to continue. Uh, you know, as, as we, we've already started to see the games are getting called a little tighter, the weather is starting to be a little bit of a factor. All of that tilts things a little bit back in favor of the defense. But, you know, they changed the rules. Um, you know, they've, they've we've known for a good 10 years now, at least or more even, that uh they are interested in increasing the amount of offense in games to drive interest from a fantasy perspective. And, you know, just from a fan interest, you know, it's more fun when there's a bunch of points being scored than a bunch of punts being kicked. So, um, you know, the rules have been ever evolving toward uh, helping out the offense, but the latest emphasis this preseason in um, keeping uh headshot, you know, keep keeping uh defender's, these linebackers from uh, particularly vicious uh, headshots on uh, receivers over the middle it feels like that's kind of lent itself to sort of a change in philosophy of defenses they're not willing to make you know to attempt those kind of hits uh, and risk uh, getting 15 yard penalties on top of completions uh, and uh, potentially ejections so it's it's turned into more of a we're going to pivot our, you know, philosophy. Well, if, if the completion is made, we're going to try to, you know, strip the ball, get a turnover instead of really deliver the huge blow that would, you know, potentially be an incomplete pass or, um, you know, just stop the guy in his track. So it's, you know, it makes, it's making the game safer. That's cool. It's making the game more fun to watch. That's cool. But in terms of how you handicap the games, you really can't, Look at a team and say, Oh, this team has an amazing defense. They're going to be able to shut this other team down. (laughs) You know, there's, you know, there's, uh, it, it, it kind of is a lot more in the balance of, you know, who's the, who, who is your team's quarterback? Who's your team's coach? What is your team's offensive coordinator's philosophy? Not just in terms of scripting good plays, but, uh, sequencing those plays in a way that is efficient and gives you the highest likelihood of sustaining drives and scoring points. And so, cor- you know, kind of focusing on that as step one and then incorporating defense and stuff, special teams and other factors. Um, in as secondary um, has helped me kind of ha- you know definitely make a, a sharper handicap and that's been pretty interesting.
0: Right on. So you you mentioned uh, defenses are ramping up for the playoff push, but do you do you think this like offensive explosion trend is going to continue into future NFL regular seasons?
2: Well, definitely. Yeah. No, I'm going to use a, the same approach for sure as we head into 2019 regular season. Uh, I'll keep a close eye on how it's going to work out this this postseason. As it stands now. It's going to be more, you know, there's kind of, you look at the NFC, you have extremely high-powered offenses in the Saints and the Rams. And then your likely other divisional winners in the Cowboys and the Bears are more defensive field. Uh, And it wouldn't shock me if in the wild-card round it looks like defenses prevail just because they're such strong defenses. Uh, And they'll be playing, you know, particularly the Bears, they'll be playing outside in cold weather at home in Soldier field. They'll probably, you know, those teams I could see securing, you know, wild-card round wins. Uh, but when they go up against uh the more high powered offenses in the divisional round of the playoffs, it's tough to see them having you know standing much of a chance um and so and then you flip over to the a f c which looks more likely to be controlled by coaching uh you have Belichick and then a bunch of kind of marginal coaches and uh it's tough for me to really say that anyone besides the Patriots is going to emerge from that a f c unless someone just gets white hot, which is always possible. Um and uh so you're probably looking at Patriots versus some offensive juggernaut coming out of the NFC uh in the Super Bowl and uh you know, a lot of games are gonna be dictated by offense in the playoffs as best I can tell you. Very cool.
0: Uh let me ask you something. Why is this specific part of the NFL schedule, this part of the season, so hard to handicap? Oh boy. Um
2: there's a bunch of reasons. The, uh, the, right, first of all, the, um, there's a ton of data out there. So, and there's a ton of, uh, of experience in terms of how lines are going to move, who's, you know, who's shaping, you know, who's, where the influential money is going to come in, what, you know, what sides are the sharp sides and things like that. And so the bookmakers themselves have gotten better at making lines that aren't going to move quite as much as they had earlier in the season. So that's that's a huge aspect of it. The lines just in general are sharper. Uh, okay. The other huge aspect of it is, over the middle part of the season, you can pretty much you don't really have to work hard to suss out motivations. Everybody's trying, right? There's not and everybody's doing their you know crafting the game plan that they think is most likely going to get them a win, right? There's not like a there's not a, a an element of uncertainty in what you know how a coach and how a team is coming into a given game. They all want to win. Uh, this time of year, this last four games, there's a ton of eliminated teams. There's a ton of teams you don't really know what they're playing for. Some of the eliminated teams are still trying to win because coaches and players, you know, coaches are trying to save their jobs. Players are trying to get their next contract. Other teams literally are positioning themselves for draft position. And it's really anyone's guess as to, you know, what level of motivation you're going to get from some of these teams that aren't in the playoff hunt. Then you flip that to the teams that are in the playoff hunt. Some of them pretty secure in their, uh, in their current you know, uh, positioning, their current uh, seating. And uh, those teams, you know, maybe they're trying out new wrinkles in their offense. They're trying things out that looked good in practice, even if they work in game. Uh, and because of that, you're not, you know, you can't necessarily say, okay, well, this team has these tendencies. they're gonna, These tendencies are going to work or not work against this particular team. Uh, instead, it's, you know, they may throw wrinkles out there. They might do weird things. We saw a ton of trick plays across the league last week it was like every coach decided hey we might as well pull out our trick plays now because it's now or never um and you'll probably see more of that as we kind of continue to trickle through the uh the last of the um uh last of the season here where you know coaches are trying weird things just to see if they work and um you know all this just adds more uncertainty uh on top of the fact that the market itself is sharper so you know that's that's a uh, that's the best I can lay it out in terms of why the last quarter of the season, maybe the best strategy is just to kind of ramp down the number of plays per week, you know, and, and try to really identify games where you can kind of isolate, um, you know, motivation and isolate the, the matchup advantages, uh, in a way that, uh, you're not subject to that uncertainty.
0: Right on, right on. Um, you mentioned fading the public and since we've had you on last, uh, This debate is kind of really fired up on Twitter. Even Scott Van Pelt's got involved on ESPN, and I kind of used to be a big fade the public guy and you know betting percentages guy. But I I've started to realize this year that like that shit really doesn't mean as much as as it used to, or maybe it never meant as much as it used to. With that said. Is that old saying, don't bet teams, bet numbers? Would you say that's more true than ever now in this modern NFL handicapping landscape?
2: Yeah, and I think um, it's important to kind of separate here NFL from other sports a little bit. Um, it's the most liquid market. It's the biggest market. You have the most kind of, you know, the most diverse action. There are professional players, There are, and there is a gob of uh, recreational players, right? And so it's a it's a little bit unique. There's a limited number of games. Um, it's not like college football. It's not like college basketball. Uh, I get what Scott Van Pelt's position was on this. Like, it made sense to me what he was saying. Like, he is a contrarian. And then if you're picking five college football games a week and all you're trying to do is identify sides that are unpopular, where you're going to have the line makers know, hey, we're going to get lopsided action here. We can build a couple of free points into this line one way so that we can ha- hold the advantage, right? That's the bookmakers want to be holding, you know, a little bit of winning percentage before the game even starts. And they can do that by shading the opening line or shading, you know, shading the line in a way that, you know, they're holding a key number, not the players, right? And so if you're on the other side of that and you're just like, okay, well, I'm going to see, you know, Figure out which sides are the least well supported by the public and I'm going to go grab some of those free points so I can be in the same exact position as the bookmakers. That works in college football. There's enough games where you can do that. You can go identify the stinky dogs and, you know, and have a little bit of a win percentage in your pocket if you take that approach. There's not enough to really sustain, you know, long-term winning and, you know, there's a good chance if you're doing that at a at a at a book that has good player profiling, they're going to figure out what you're going to do, what you're doing, and they're going to start limiting your action. Like, there's no way you could really get away with that at like my bookie or Bovada or something. They would start shading your lines almost immediately. And so, right. you know that so you know I get what he was saying, and you know he's like, hey, look, my record speaks for itself. And yeah, okay, if you capture you know two two to five percent winning percentage because you're going with these unpopular plays where there's Advantage built into the line because the bookmakers Want that in their pocket and you're Going along with it then yeah that makes That makes total sense and you know It makes sense why you would have a record Where you're you know hitting 55 to 58 Percent over a long time period Much 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 harder To do that in the NFL like you're And and you know when most Of the discussion kind of comes from When it relates to the NFL Is it's easy To see you know Lines after they've moved, right? It's easy to see, oh, wow, the sharp position was everyone wanted um, a good example. Let me think of a good example this week. Um, It's tough. There's not really – these are kind of lately bad games, it looks like. But, you know, it's to a degree, you know, let's, let's say a team was minus, you know, two and a half and it got hit hard by professionals and it got bet out to minus three and a half. Well, yeah, okay. Once it's three and a half, it's easy to look at it and said, okay, well, yep, that was the sharp side, you know, and, and, you know, and if you look, you combine that with the fact, with the, with the, the, um, the data that says, hey, uh, you know, the public, you know, these offshore books have 80% of their tickets on the opposite side of that. Then yeah, you can construct a narrative around that that tells a story that the sharp money backed this. And the public is on this and you pros versus just, you know what I mean? Like it's, you can construct those narratives. People eat that stuff up who are casually following this. And uh, it's not particularly useful from a, you know, from a betting perspective to then go chase that steam or, you know, uh, or line yourself up with what you perceive to be the sharp side, because a lot of the value is already gone. And so you just got to be kind of conscientious of that. And it sounds like at least from what you were saying and from kind of the progression as you, you bet more, and you you consume more of this information, and you you learn more. Really, uh, you know, you start to figure a lot of this stuff out for yourself. And I'm sure you and your listeners have kind of gone on that journey this season, which is pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, man, definitely very interesting stuff here from Whale Capper. That's Whale underscore Capper. Totally, man. I, I'm just been enjoying expanding my like my gambling mindset, putting more tools into my shed and stuff like that. And uh, thanks to you and other guests just like you for coming on and help helping us do that. Um, excuse me, let's get back to uh, this NFL season. I heard you on the deep dive this week getting a little bit uh, conspiracy theory like. Um, I, I, I'm one that likes to. <laughs> yeah, I like to pull out the tinfoil hat. I like to dive down that rabbit hole every now and then. So, uh, why don't you break down to our listeners your, uh, your theory about the influx of holding calls going on in the NFL right now? Okay, well, this is very, very tinfoil hat
2: number one, and this is very, very this, and this is very results based um, frustration as well. Um, I've been seeing, you know, and I've been seeing this play out in the way that the markets have moved over the course of the season all year. Like certain sides, you have good matchups, you have, you know, you have likely approaches that would lend themselves to overs. And they hang these low totals, the sharper peak players, you know, conclude the, you know, there's value in the over, the line starts to drift up, right? We've seen this week in, week out. Lot, I I can, I can, I can't even count the number of examples we've seen this. Uh, and, um, for whatever reason, I identified like five of those, four of those, I think I identified four of those games where I was like, okay, these lines are likely going to go up. I see the case for there to be an over. Uh, I'm gonna line up and bet the over as well, and in all four cases all three out of the four cases, there was major steam to the under that was completely inexplicable. There was no weather, there was no injuries, it was just surprise under and you looked across the board last week and a lot of a lot of the games took action to the under uh despite what you know there was not really any weather going on, and there really wasn't any important injuries and it was a real head scratcher for me. On like up to Sunday morning, I was like, "What in the world? Why in the world was the influential money all pouring in on unders this week? This makes no sense." And then I watched the games play out over the course of the week, and boy, it started on um, started on Thursday, uh, you know, and the referees had enormous impact on the way that game played out. Like they they called penalties and uh, and missed, you know. I mean, the 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 the, the refereeing impact on the game was non trivial. And it was weird, even. And I was like, well, it's just one bad poorly officiated game. It just happened to be a standalone game where we were all watching. I'll just forget about it. But then the whole way that Sunday played out, there was just this slew of offensive holding calls, lots of huh. them on running plays, lots of them in super huh. impactful times of the game. And I was like,
3: what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and
2: – I have no evidence of this. I lost all four overs I played. If I hadn't played any overs last week, I would have gone five and two. And I, but I lost all four overs, so I ended up five and six. So I'm a little, you know, raw about that. You know, even you know, in, and I lost, you know, value because they, three of them got steamed anyway. So I'm just like, what the hell? And um and uh you know, I think a lot, you know, the bucks bucks. Uh, um, Panthers was a one that was hugely influenced by this sort of stuff, um, and there, you know, there was a couple others, but, um, but yeah, it was it was a frustrating week to be playing overs, and the holding calls made it even more so. And I've seen this happen in years past, where all of a sudden, one week in the middle of the season, like there's an, uh, a you know a, a letter goes out to all the officials. It's like, hey, you know, we're not enforcing this call enough and it's changing the, you know, the it's changing the fabric of the game and we need to be, these are some calls that were missed. These are some examples of calls that were well called and you should be aware of this, all you officials. It's not like a memo that's like, hey, call more holding, but it's like, you're missing this, you know, and so it's on everybody's mind, and you start to see those penalties pop more. It happened a couple years ago with offensive pass interference. It's happened in the past with defensive pass interference. There's just, you can you can see it when it happens where it's like, oh, why in the world did, you know, 15 extra offensive holds this week than normal (laughs) happen this one week? And it it always trickles back to some league memo. And my guess is that a lot of the understeem was, you know, was born out of somebody caught wind of, Hey, I, you know, there's this memo that went out to the refs. There's going to be an excessive amount of penalties this week. We should hit these unders. And that was kind of what led to some of the market action. But all of this is tinfoil hat wearing. I have not heard <laughs> anyone else say this and I could be completely fabricating all of this just because I'm annoyed that I lost four overs in one week. So there's that.
0: Hey man, you don't have to twist my arm to get buy-in on a conspiracy theory. I'm all about it. Uh, <laughs> You better watch out though well you don't get kicked off of Twitter like Alex Jones or something.
2: Oh well. Yeah, I mean I'm not I'm not pointing fingers and I'm not even saying that they they're doing anything wrong. I'm just annoyed that uh, all of this potentially happened and uh you know we didn't know about it cuz if you know about it then, you know, then go then all, you, know, you know, let let it rip, do whatever you want.
0: Right. You got to get in on those uh, NFL league office handicap, uh, you know, email rings.
2: <laughs> I know. I didn't get the info. I didn't get the. I didn't get the email. I'm annoyed. So,
0: all right, guys. For those of you that don't know, the whale does not only handicap NFL. He's also a big NBA handicapper, as as well as tennis. But uh, let me ask you something. When NFL is kicking and the NBA, you know, gets fired up, how do you balance handicapping NBA and NFL at the same time?
2: Well, NBA is so. First of all, I uh, I definitely consider myself an advantage player in the nfl and in tennis and i am very very much a learner and kind of trying to understand the right you know the best ways to attack betting the nba it is much much harder i don't i didn't grow up really watching the game like i did with the nfl and like i did with tennis so i a little bit there are certain a lot of things that are unknowns about you know what matters basically what matters and um and so i'm kind of going through a very public learning process about how to cater to cap the mba last uh regular season was the first regular season i bet mba and didn't lose money so i you know i feel like i'm on the right track but i still have a lot a lot of learning to do all that said um balancing it is extremely difficult because you know it's when i'm into the nfl like that's what i'm thinking about when i wake up that's what i'm thinking about you know as I'm consuming media through the day. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh shit, NBA is like, oh, sorry. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm right. like, oh man, NBA, you know, I'm like, it's, it's like 2:30, and I'm like, Holy, Holy smokes. I have an hour to handicap these, all these NBA games and see if I can find, fine plays with edge. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's pretty tough. Um, and I've tried to automate it as much as possible because it's daily and, you know, and I'm playing, you know, five or so plays a day and, and, uh, and hoping to, hit you know 3 3 and 2 every day would be ideal obviously that's not happening this season at this point but that's fine I'll I'll get there um and uh and it's it's once the NFL is in the books for the season then I kind of I do consume more podcasts and you know read more articles um but those are the kind of things that really help you know add add a little bit of nuance to the handicapping process that I'm just not getting for the NBA right now cuz I'm spending so much time on on NFL um and uh I can completely understand why some people just throw their hands up and say, Okay, I'm only doing one at a time and if you told me that like five years from now all I'm doing is NFL and tennis, I would be like, Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so <laughs> because those two complement each other perfectly. You know, tennis starts up, you know, in January with the Australian Open, right as NFL is winding down to only, you know, two, three games you know, two four two to four games a weekend. So it's huh. uh, it's a nice it's a nice handshake between tennis and the NFL. Um, but, uh, but the NBA is, you know, it's fun to have something that's going on daily. I definitely recognize that the popularity of the NBA is just, it's going in one direction. Like it's, it's, it's becoming more and more popular and, um, you know, it would be great to find that magic edge to, you know, to, to be a advantage player in the NBA. Cause there's really not many people out there doing it, especially publicly. So it'd be cool.
0: Yeah, man. I wouldn't be surprised to see the NBA overtake the NFL in the next five to 10 years in popularity. Actually. But uh, now that we're on to NBA hoops, can you explain to, to us and our uh, listeners a little bit about your fatigue charts, how they work, and what goes into making them?
2: Yeah, man, this has been a huge, uh, huge help helping me dig out of uh, an early hole uh, that I dug for myself in the NBA this season. Um, I've always known that fatigue was a first-order influence on how well teams play. Uh, I never really had a way of quantifying that, but I was always in the back of my head, you know, one of these days, like, I'm going to have enough time to really sit down and write some sort of, like, um, write some sort of framework to quantify this so that I always will have it and I won't be, you know, just trying to guess or look at a schedule and be like, oh, well, this team's played a lot lately. They're going to be tired, you know. Um, Everyone knows when a team is on a back-to-back, that's like, market information that's built into the price and you're not going to catch back you're never going to catch an edge just because the team is on back to back right but there is a way to get an edge if you can kind of go farther than that and look at just in general is a team has a team had less rest than an average than average over a longer time window and so i was actually flying to hawaii for um doing had a little mini vacation in october right as the NBA season was kind of getting going and I had like five hours on the plane and didn't really want to do work work. So I was like, Oh, you know what? I'll, uh, I'll attack this, <laughs> I'll attack this problem now. And, uh, so I wrote a script to basically just look at the schedule, just look at how much rest was a, a team was, um, you know, was getting over their last two games, their last three, four, five, six, and seven. So I have this growing window where I'm looking at, you know, how much rest is occurring over those seven games. And I took then the difference, or I basically took uh, kind of like a, like a, kind of like, I don't know if you know about blackjack card counting. Have you ever read or heard or, you know, like sort of the basic philosophy of that? I kind of yeah. used the same sort of thinking where I was like, okay, you know, a median, you know, in, you know the median um, day's rest between, you know, for a team's last two games is one. And so if you're zero, you get a minus one. If you're three, you get a plus one, right? You know? And so I was kind of using, okay, you are, you are getting more or less rest than, the, than average. And accrue that up over those seven games. And then do like a weighting scheme where the more recent, the more impactful it is to your score. And then just put it, put it on a normalized scale from zero to five so that you know two and a half is you're an average team with average rest in the middle of the season. And if you're, you know, if you're closer to zero, then you've accrued a bunch of extra rest over your last seven games, so you're fresher. And if you are closer to five, then you are in the midst of your toughest part of your schedule uh, of the whole season. And you're, you know, you're just potentially your gas, right? And I was like, yeah, oh, this would be cool. Let's see if this works out. I tested it out for a couple of weeks, and I figured out, like, holy smokes, like, number one teams with a huge rest advantage were covering spreads at a clip that I was blown away by I was like oh my goodness like this is cool and then number two teams when teams were both teams were tired they were going over at like a crazy clip and I was like okay this is so what is going on here because you would think like okay tired teams tired legs poor shooting Um, but in fact it's more like The players know they're tired. They are going to fill up the stat sheet for themselves because they, you know, that's all, you know, they know how important it is to accrue stats. And so, um, you know, they're going to, you know, put less effort into defense. Defense is so effort-based, rotating, getting on to guys and stuff like that. And, you know, you you decrease your effort into defensive intensity just a little bit and all of a sudden you're getting a ton of, uh, you know, you're just getting a ton of open shots and, and uh, easy high, high efficiency, easy baskets, things like that. And so it's like, okay, this actually makes sense now. Started, you know, started coming up with ways to really clearly communicate that through, you know, easy charts to post on Twitter. And people have really taken it and run with it. And I gotta say, it, you know, it, it feels like there is a tangible edge here to be mined. Um, the question is, does it last all season, or are we going to get to the point in the season where um, you know, it doesn't, starts not to matter as much anymore. And that's, that seems likely, like, I feel like this is something that's going to be helpful through like December. And then after Christmas, Christmas kind of resets a lot of the the way teams play in the NBA. Um, and we could see a little bit of a shift. Obviously the all-star break is going to totally throw this into chaos because every team's going to get like a week's rest, you know? Um, but, uh, for now, at least I think it's, uh, it's something that really can help find an edge in the NBA as we get through the, uh, through the dog days of December.
0: Wow. Tremendous stuff, Whale. This is really cutting-edge uh, gambling content, guys. Check it out on Twitter. The Whale puts these charts out on his Twitter feed. Just blowing my mind here, bro. Literally taking a page from bringing down the house and the MIT Blackjack team and translating it into NBA fatigue factors. Out of this world, brother.
2: Right on, man. Thank you.
0: Um, Before we let you go, can you maybe share with us and the listeners uh, one best bet on the NFL slate this weekend?
2: Ooh, the best bet. Um, I really like the... uh, I really like... I think there's a a ton of value in the Colts this weekend
0: to challenge
2: or even get an upset against the Texans. I love the way they match up uh, with their passing attack against the Texans secondary. That's not great. Uh, And uh, I think the... uh, you know, we saw them play week four. They played to a draw effectively and, you know, would have been a tie if not for Frank Reich going for it inexplicably on fourth and four in his own territory with like a minute to play. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, I feel like the Colts have grown and developed and improved a lot since then, whereas the Texans have kind of gotten by against a really, really weak schedule of opponents, uh, between now and then. And so I feel like, uh, this is going to be a really really tough test for a Texans team that's on their third straight week at home. Uh potentially, uh you know, potentially uh, you know a little a uh, little high on their own abilities when uh when in fact they've been playing teams in bad situations and you know with uh, with quarterback a lot of them with quarterback issues so this this is going to be a, a an interesting test for the Texans and I think with four and a half points especially I'm into the Colts but uh, I could see them come away with the upset in this
0: spot all right we'll be looking at Indianapolis this week Guys, that was Whale Capper. You can follow him on Twitter at Whale underscore Capper. He's a rising star that's doing big things in the sports gambling media space. Please, please do yourself and your bankroll a favor. and Go check him out and the Deep Dive podcast. Dude, Whale, it was a pleasure as usual. Thanks for hopping on the pod.
2: Hey, thanks again for having me and uh, best luck this weekend, guys.
1: The Wager Pager podcast is presented by uWager.eu, where America bets. uWager.eu is the official online sportsbook of the Wager Pager podcast. Log on to uwager.eu slash Wager Pager. That's uwager.eu slash Wager Pager to receive a 50% welcome bonus up to $1,000 deposit.
0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Wager Pager podcast. Like we said at the top of the show, we've been on a little bit of a three-week holiday hiatus here. It happened to uh, work out good for me in terms of timing. I was getting crushed when NBA and college basketball first started. Took a hit to my bankroll there, so it's been nice to kind of lay back and uh, not have too much action the last couple weeks. But I'm back. I'm ready to go. I'm primed. I'm feeling good. And I'm happy to welcome back to the show, as usual, Jimmy D. Dice ruling former Marist College defensive back. What's up, brother? Have you been playing the last couple of weeks? Let us know how you've been doing.
3: What's up, buddy? It's good to be back. Uh it was a little weird to be off for uh a little bit of time, but it was kind of good to uh gather myself, uh spend some time with the family and kids, you know, uh got some uh, work stuff done, but it is good back. Uh good to be back in a routine and uh trying to get some winners and build our bankroll cuz uh Uh, I really haven't done much. Uh, I've won. I've lost. I've kind of stayed the same since uh, we stopped. But uh, I'm looking to uh, get back on our winning ways like we were uh, during the beginning and the middle of the season. So let's
0: go. All right. No doubt. Let's do this. We got NFL Week 14 here. Uh, no more college. Uh, we, we missed championship week last week. College football bowl week will be kicking off next week. We're going to have a special wager pager podcast, bowl mania special with a special guest handicapper where uh, me and Jimmy Dice ruling will be picking games. And uh, we're all three of us are going to pick our five best games, nickel package and college football. Looking forward to that. What do you say, my friend? you want to start it off? Uh, NFL Week 14. What are you looking at? First down.
3: First down, I'm going to go with uh, probably a little bit of a a shit show. Uh, I'm kind of surprised I'm playing them, but uh, I'm actually going to go with a home favorite, uh, a team that I think is uh, just playing playing gritty right now and, and playing against a team that just looks absolutely horrible. Uh, I'm looking at Buffalo versus the Jets. Uh, I'm, I'm considering taking, uh, Buffalo minus three and a half, uh, against the Jets. Uh, it's kind of weird because a couple weeks ago the Jets were favored in this and got smashed up at home. Uh, and now with this line, this line is pretty much saying that both these teams are even. Uh, really that Buffalo is just a half point, uh, better than the Jets. Uh, I just think Buffalo has just got more will and just kind of plays scrappy. You know, I haven't really seen anything from the Jets. I know Sam Darnold's back. Um, but still, I just like uh, Buffalo uh, winning this uh, by more than three, three three and a half points. Uh, definitely going to take it if you can drop to three, but I'll still take the minus three and a half.
0: All right. All right, brother. Let me kick off my first down here in our four-down territory, NFL Week 14. I am going back to the well with one of my squads. I love to play Cleveland Browns. This game opened at a pick'em. It's a Sunday, 1 p.m. game. Got Cleveland Browns 4-7-1 going up against Carolina at 6-6. Opened at a pick. It's now plus 1.5, minus 105 over at uwager.eu. Definitely check out uwager.eu. Very competitive lines, minus 105. I love it. This is going to be freezing cold, that kickoff, 34 degrees, very, very cold for these Carolina kids. I don't know if they can deal with that weather. Cleveland, I think they practice in that shit all day long, so they're used to it. If you've been listening to this week's guest, Atwell Capper and his boy Andy on the deep dive, they've been saying for weeks now that Cam Newton has been hurt with a shoulder injury, and boy, are they fucking right. This guy has looked like shit the last couple weeks. As they mentioned, they even brought in another quarterback to throw a fucking Hail Mary last week before the half when Cam Healthy can gun like 90 yards on his knees. The Panthers are on a five-game losing streak. And uh, I think Baker's due for a big game here. He had a career-high 397 yards last week, almost 400 yards, but he did throw three picks. So I think he can get it going this week against Carolina, who has given up 340-plus yards in their last three games. Give me the Browns, plus one and a half.
3: Yeah, dude, I saw that. Uh, that's like uh, like I've always said, uh, too good to be true. Everyone's like, wow, the Browns are only getting two and a half, but I'm going to take Carolina because just like uh, we were saying a couple weeks ago before we took the break, Carolina was, you know, a talk of the town. You know, like they're probably – going to be in that first wild card spot and now they've like you said losing five straight and obviously due to cam newton so uh that that should be a good play so uh i'll look forward to uh seeing you with that all
2: right, all right my now God, who
3: you got so for my uh second down play uh i'm gonna go uh, i'm not picking a side on this uh i'm actually gonna go with a total uh, i'm looking at green bay versus atlanta uh, the total is at 50 and a half. I'm looking at taking the over. Um, obviously, uh, McCarthy just got fired. Uh, there's rumors that Aaron Rodgers is pretty much calling the offensive plays, that he hardly ever called the plays that McCarthy ran. Um, I can just see Aaron Rodgers pretty much just calling all the plays he wants, uh, thrown for like four or five touchdowns. Atlanta getting at least, you know, two touchdowns, possibly three. You know, so um, I just like I, – I just think Green Bay is going to sling this. Uh, there's going to be no defense being played in this game at all. So uh, I kind of like the over on this. You know, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to show, hey, I'm still an elite quarterback. Josh McDaniels, I think you need to bring your offense to us and just kind of prove, uh, hey, you know, we're still a team that can uh, win games and, and make it to playoffs uh, moving forward. So uh, I like the over at 50-and-a-half.
0: All right, my guy, looking good on the over. I might have to tell you on that. But while you're talking Green Bay, Atlanta, I'm going to have to jump in here on second down because I agree there's a fade spot in this game. Um, I think you can hit that over. I might have to tell you, but I like Atlanta plus five, dude. I got to fade the Packers here after the firing of the coach. We've always talked about this. Bad publicity in the media. Go against it. Yeah, I know Aaron Rodgers is going to be calling the plays, but this is not backyard football out there. Go deep. I'll hit you. Fucking nerf. You know, Nerf Turbo and shit. Uh, both these teams are coming into a disappointing year. Uh, You know, they both had Super Bowl aspirations to start the year off. Atlanta's 4-8. and eight, Green Bay's 4-7. and seven. And this line opened at 4, and now I'm getting 5. I'll take the one-point extra uh, insurance there. Give me Atlanta plus 5. Like you said, if it's a shootout, I just like Atlanta plus 5, dude. That's a, a lot of points there for two shitty teams.
3: Yeah, you know what's crazy, though? I was looking at the, you know, who I was going to take in terms of the side, and I kind of leaned Atlanta, um, but Atlanta just scared me because, like you said, their, their season has just kind of been a complete disappointment, and I just figured both these teams are just going to, you know, throw up an offensive shootout, and that's why I think 50 points, 51 points was a little bit too low in my opinion, so uh, I like to be over on that. So, uh you know, hopefully we're catching that ticket together
0: no doubt what are you looking at here uh third down on four down territory
3: so for my third down i'm gonna go with a divisional uh game uh, a game where um it could mean a lot of uh changes in terms of uh seating uh moving forward so i'm gonna go with the indianapolis colts uh getting four and a half points uh, i think it might be at five uh i haven't checked it in the last couple hours but um, but uh, last time I checked, they were getting four and a half against Houston in Houston. Um, it's kind of crazy. I know Houston is on a crazy, like eight, uh, or nine game win streak. You know, they started the season off 0-3. Um, Indy's been playing well. Uh, I know they just got embarrassed, uh, by a bad Jacksonville team. Uh, but I just like Indy kind of. Fighting for that one of those last playoff spots because I mean, they're at six and six, and they're only a game uh, behind uh, that sixth seed right now. So, um, I mean, if they can win, you know, and Baltimore loses to KC, you know, they can uh, maybe take over that sixth spot and try to just cling on to uh, potentially a playoff berth. So, um, I just like Indy uh, getting up four and a half points against Houston. Um, I've been saying it every week, you know, when is Houston going to lose or when is Houston not going to cover one of these spreads? And I just think, uh, you know, time is due for Houston to kind of have a letdown game. And, uh, I think Indy's just got, you know, still a little bit of fight and, uh, pride left. So, uh, I'll take Indy plus, uh, four and a half and potentially five because I believe that line made a move.
0: Yeah, actually it's at five right now on Uwager.eu, where America bets. So, uh... <laughs> definitely go check that out all right uh third down here moving on 4 25 p.m sunday 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 i got the philadelphia eagles sit the six and six philadelphia eagles coming into dallas sitting at seven five i'm going with the money line here my friend give me the eagles plus 155 on the money line this is a big game for philly they can tie dallas with a win for first place And you know what? I got two words for you, my friend. Recency bias, okay? Ten days off to rest. Maybe be a little rusty. Also, looking for a letdown here in this spot after a big freaking win versus the Saints last week. I still don't believe in Dak. Dak is whack. Ezekiel covers up for a lot of his ineptitude. You know it. I know it. Give me the Eagles plus 155 on the money line.
3: I'm going to bet this game just for the fact that if they lose hey, it's a win for me. It's a win-win situation now, but I'm going to stay away from this game. You know what? I agree. Dak is, uh, still hasn't proved to me anything. Uh, I agree. Ezekiel Elliott has covered his uh, misfortunes and his uh, inability to really move forward. Um, but hey, man, don't sleep on my Dallas D. Uh, they have been uh, smothering teams right now, and I just personally think that Philly has a little bit uh, too many injuries still. On their squad to uh to win this game, so um but hey, you know, I think it's gonna be a good battle if Dallas wins this game, they pretty much are gonna run away with uh the east, but if Philly wins this game, I think that leaves the door open for uh a two way battle uh for that uh for that east uh spot for the for the playoffs so uh should be a fun game to watch so so yeah man, so for my fourth. Down play. Um, I was kinda going back and forth with this. Um I'm going go with the St. Louis uh well, Saint Louis, wow. Uh Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> um, you know, Floridian slip. So but yeah, I'll take the Los Angeles Rams minus three against Chicago. Um I get it. This is Trubisky's uh game coming back. Uh my only fear is is he really a hundred percent? You know, or are they kinda rushing him back to kind of see you know, what he could do against the uh, um, L.A. Rams. Some people are saying, hey, they've already clinched the playoffs, um, you know, uh, and they have a game up on New Orleans in regards to um, home field advantage throughout. But I don't see the Rams and <clears throat> letting up, man. They're going to keep their foot on the pedal. They're going to try to get the best uh, record in the division and also the league. So I just think three points is way too little. Um, I don't think that Chicago uh, defense is going to be able to stop them, and I really don't think uh, Chicago's offense is going to be able to uh, put enough points up on the board. You know, I I see them maybe scoring maybe around 20, 23 points, uh, but I can see uh, L.A. easily putting up about 30 points in this game. So um, I'll take the Rams minus three. Uh, It kind of scared me because I feel it's – a little bit of a sucker bet, I feel, uh, and I might be shooting myself come uh, next week. But uh, I'll take uh, the hottest team in the, in, the, in the league right now with the Rams, and uh, I'll give those three points to Chicago and uh, a hurt uh, Trubisky. So, what do you got?
0: Yeah, dude, I was looking at that, man. I mean, if you really want to, if you want to come down to it, like that's almost a sucker bet either side. Plus three at Bears looks too good to be true. LA Rams minus three looks too good to be true. So, I mean, if I was going to bet that, I will definitely go with the Rams, too. All right, here. Uh, this is, what are we coming up to here? We're on fourth down. Fourth down in our four-down territory, NFL Week 14. I can't believe it's fucking Week 14 already.
3: Yeah, dude. It's nuts. Crazy. Can't believe the season's almost over. <laughs>
0: Alright, let's do it. 425 p.m. Sunday. I got Pittsburgh 7-4-1 and and going up against the fucking dog shit Raiders 2-10. Give me the Steelers. I'm going chalk. Steelers minus 10. This game opened at 13, so you're giving me an entire field goal and value on the fucking money move there. I'll take it. Um, one word for you with the Raiders. Tank. And they're just 2-6 and six against the spread in their last eight games. I look for Pittsburgh to bounce back here after a loss last week. Pittsburgh is very much in the hunt still in their division and wild card. So they need a win here. Give me the Steelers minus 10.
3: Yeah, man, it's crazy. Uh, I looked at that, but I just don't want anything to do, anything Oakland touches. I've bet against them. I've bet with them. And I've always lost, so I don't want anything to do with that. So uh, and the 10 <laughs> points is a little bit too much chalk and my for my liking so uh good luck with that play
0: all right man you got any uh money dogs that you're looking at th- this week for my money dog i'm actually gonna go out on a limb go against
3: a team that i have uh rode all year uh i'm actually gonna take baltimore plus uh plus 235 money line against kansas City. You see. yeah you see. man um and this my reasoning is uh i think uh Jackson is he he's going to own that team moving forward. Uh, I don't care if Flacco comes back and he's healthy. Uh this is Jackson's team. He is not giving the car back to uh Flacco. Um uh, I think Flacco is either going to get traded or dropped uh during the off season. Um Baltimore is uh right now in that sixth spot uh in the wild card. You know, if they can win, uh they they can potentially <clears throat> um jump Pittsburgh because they are technically a half a game uh, behind Pittsburgh with uh, Pittsburgh having that tie uh, and only four losses where Baltimore has five. So, um, you know, this game is a pivotal game for seeding in terms of Kansas City having home field advantage throughout. And then if not potentially getting into the third spot. So um, I I just, you know, I have a hunch on this. Uh, Kansas City's playing high you know, is the Kareem Hunt going to have a little bit of a hangover effect? I know last week's game, it really didn't. Um, but I don't know. I just feel that uh, Baltimore, you know, great defense, great rushing, you know, uh, might have some something to prove. So uh, I'll take uh, the plus plus two to 235 uh, money dog line.
0: No doubt. All right, man. I didn't want to say anything before, but we we're kind of going head to head here on my money line play. I know you like the Bills, but I like the Jets, brother. Sam Darnold coming back after three missed games, okay? It's going to be 30 freaking degrees on Sunday. Yeah, Buffalo's used to that type of weather, but the, Jacks, the Jets are also, you know, that's no problem for them. Your boy, Josh Allen, played well last week. I think he will inevitably fold this week per his rookie status. And give me Sam Darnold, man. He wants to prove he was the better pick. Jets, money line plus 155.
3: not if Mills has something to say about it. <laughs>
0: no doubt. All right, man, this has been fun. It's uh, really good to get back in the saddle, back on the mic, picking games, try to build this bankroll back up, look going ahead into bull season and NFL playoffs. Thank you for joining us. As usual, that is Jimmy Dice Rulin. You can follow this man, at James Rulin on Twitter. Take it easy, my friend.
3: Take it easy, man. Hey, it's good to be back. Uh, have a good one, and I'll talk to you guys soon.
0: Alright guys, that's it for episode 15. And as always, good luck, happy handicapping, and may the gambling gods look gracefully down upon you.
1: Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave us a review and please tell all your friends about us. Also, guys, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wager Pager. Also, if you or a loved one has a gambling addiction, don't be scared to seek help. You can contact the National Council on Problem Gambling at 1-800-522-4700. They're open 24 hours a day and all calls and texts are confidential.
0: Get pumped, get psyched.
1: It's the Wager Pager podcast. Bye, guys. Later. The Wager Pager podcast is co-hosted and co-produced by Chris Rogers and Mercedes Barba. Edited by Mercedes Barba. Created by Chris Rogers. Additional analysis provided by Jim Roland. Music by The Morose Project. Produced and written at San Francisco Music Studios. Logo designed by John Carbonella. And all picks are for entertainment purposes only. These plays are not financial advice.